0: Okay, welcome back everyone. The Bless You You Boys podcast. Back in the air, episode 5. We've taken a little hiatus for the past couple weeks, but we are back and we'll be recording regularly the rest of the year. Uh, This is your host, Brandon Day. I'm a staff writer and editor at Bless You Boys, which is your home on SB Nation for all things Detroit baseball. Um, I've got a couple of guests with us today. Um, My usual co-host, Ashley McClanahan, who is also a staff writer and editor. Ashley, how's it going tonight? Not too shabby. How about you? Uh, I'm pretty good. I just drove home through the snow, so apparently did you, I uh, did. You see the meteor? I did not see the meteor. Somehow I survived the the meteor. And if you know aliens have been released from canisters and are laying waste to Detroit, I'll have no idea about it. And if we just go off the air, you can assume that's probably what happened. Yeah, well, where I is was do about? like I've heard
1: there's I've heard there's like fig videos and all that stuff going on right already. The yeah, sky the is actually falling.
0: Yeah, people are just taking like random meteor gifts and saying they saw it and that's <laughs> yeah, just a complete disaster. So, yeah, everybody's uh that that's how bored we are in, in Tigersville right now that that's uh that's lighting up Twitter all over the place. Um we've also got our esteemed site editor tonight, Rob Jo Jackie, who is here with us for the first time. Rob, how's it going?
1: Not bad. Uh, I studied for this podcast by uh, studying like I did in college, and that, by that I mean cramming and listening to like the first half of the first podcast. So I think I'm all <laughs> cut up to speed. It's about uh, the Tampa Bay Rays and Doctor Who, right? Yeah, yeah. You yeah.
2: know what? You so kind of got the gist of our podcast.
0: podcast.
1: I, I figured as much.
0: Yeah, you've nailed most of the important parts. Well, it's good to know that um, that's how you become a doctor. That makes me comfortable. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah, I mean... Let's just jump right in. I mean, Rob, you haven't uh, you haven't been on the show yet. We've been off a couple weeks here too, so Ashley and I haven't weighed in on this a whole lot. But um, the off season is kind of mercifully crawling to an end here. We're going to see some action um, in about a month. Um, but the Tigers, you know, maybe they still have a few things that's left to do. Maybe there's a free agent signing. We know there'll be a whole bunch of like pickups and drop ads all through uh, all through spring training. To go back to the school reference, um, how was your uh, how are your feelings right now about how the Tigers have handled the off season um, with the, the minor league signings, picking up fears?
1: Are they doing I'm, the right things so far? I mean, they. It's really hard to nitpick anything that they've been doing so far. I mean, you have uh, like the Pete Cosma thing kind of caused a lot of. I don't even want to say argument on the site. There were people saying, "Oh, this is kind of weird," and other people saying, "This means absolutely nothing." And everyone was kind of arguing in circles, saying absolutely nothing um, but the, the the fact of the matter is that they don't really need to do much right now they're almost kind of in a waiting period where they need to you know they need to make sure that they develop their prospects during the year and they need to make sure that they nail the draft next year especially that number one pick uh, right now it's about you know filling out a little bit of depth maybe taking some flyers on some guys and I think that's why everyone's upset with Cosma and a couple of these other signings they want someone maybe a little bit younger someone with at least slightly more upside you're not gonna get too much for you know a minor league deal someone on a minor league deal but getting a little bit of that upside would have been a bit nicer to see but overall I can't really fall too much I think they've picked up a couple interesting guys along the way uh, and we'll just kind of have to see what happens in spring training
0: yeah, I mean, that seems like, I mean, that's the hard part about this offseason is that this is really the one where you can't really do very much. Um, you know, the Tigers really need to give their their prospects kind of time to breathe, time to see what we've got there. Um, they've still got a couple guys to deal but yeah, I mean, by and large, these are small moves, and because it's all we have to talk about, we've been we've been kind of ripping them to shreds and and, and getting into like super minutia on all these and all
1: these things. But um well, I mean, we had people like literally requesting that we write about uh, who's the guy we picked up from the the pirates, Johnny Johnny Barbado Barbado. Bar- 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 yeah. Bar- how do we? I don't even know how Bar- we say Bar- that. Bar- um, but Bar- like, Bar- he more was, fun, so I'm going with you that. know a a younger pickup, uh, but still a guy that they claimed off waivers that could maybe never even throw a pitch in a Tiger's uniform. Um, And literally everyone's just, you know, kind of clamoring for any sort of analysis on that. That's just how slow it's been. Um, you get, you know, the Cosmo news that we put out a post that was, what, maybe 300 words. And it turns out we get like 150 comments on that. Um, people are just kind of starved for news at this point, And it's almost kind of, you know, it's tough to see the, to have this team go from, you know, the star-studded roster it once was to Miguel Cabrera and Nick Castellanos and who else is on the team now?
0: Yeah, it's just such a blast of cold water. I mean, I think everybody's kind of like just uncomfortably squirming because we're just not used to this and trying to figure out. There, you know, there must be some quick fix, you know, there must be some way to turn this thing around quickly. And there just isn't, although I've had my own moments of like, ah, mate, what if we just traded for Christian Yelich and then signed Manny Machado and, you <laughs> or know. Or sign Hugh Darvish. Yeah, Darvish. Yeah. yeah, just get yeah.
2: Hugh Darvish. No problem.
1: Screw it. Just sign someone.
0: Yeah. I mean, I like the minor league signings. I mean, I, I think they did pick up like, you know, a pretty good pack of, of arms, um, at least about as good as you can do in a minor league, you know, kind of, kind of deal. But you know Ryan Carpenter, Kevin Comer, those are guys who you can throw in at Toledo and they they should fit right in as guys who you know maybe can help you out um probably aren't gonna do anything so and I like the fair signing, so I can't really complain too much about that either
1: with any one, of those, one guys, of those sorry to interrupt with any one of those guys like if you get one guy that sticks out of that entire group, I think they did a good job. That's really kind of all you're trying to do there is grabbing as many lottery tickets you can and seeing you know if you can get one to stick,
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. Anything? Uh, anything particularly standing out to you at this point, Ashley? Anything you wanted to, to, to kind of weigh in there? I know it, it's been a, it's been a bleak offseason. No, I, I mean,
2: I think Rob really touched on all of it. There's not a lot of excitement, but none of it's really disappointing either. Like, I don't think any of us thought that they would do much of anything at all this offseason, and and I think the fact that they aren't doing much of anything at all is what's making people clamor for all those little bits. I thought they would trade more, honestly, and, and we're seeing a little bit of that rumor mill bubbling with the talk of Nick Castellanos being a movable piece, and Jose Iglesias being a movable piece, and honestly, at this point, if they can trade them for anything, I, I don't even care we hold on to players anymore. Like if the giants are in a mood where they feel like buying every franchise player on the market, maybe we can sell them a Miguel Cabrera. Like I, I, at this point, any move they make, I just, I I don't have it in me to like feel bad or angry at them for doing it. And, and I think anything that we can get back in return that, that could like Rob said, anything that, that one spaghetti piece that sticks to the wall anything would be, um, you know, a big perk for us, for the team.
0: It's just such an amorphous kind of state where you don't, it's not like we're trying to find this piece or that piece to complete a roster. I mean, you kind of have nothing and a a better stock of talent in the minor leagues. And it's just really hard to know, like, how to start moving all those pieces when there's, there's no sort of way of putting it together in anything better than a, you know, a very lucky 500 team, which is not going to happen.
2: No, I think if anything, if they go out and pick anything at this point, it's going to be like a utility guy or an infield, somebody who can play second, third, flexibly with a little shortstop. That's the only thing I think that they could use with only having prospects available for those positions. I think having an established infield utility player would be a really smart pickup.
1: I think that's part of the reason... I think Eduardo that's one of the reason why they went after Cosma too. Mm-hmm. They went after him just because they really kind of needed another infielder at the time when they signed him. Um, I don't think he's on the forty-man roster at this point. I think he was a minor league signing. Um, but they only had the only infielders they had on the on the forty-man roster were their starters for this year, and then um, Dawell Lugo and Sergio Sergio Alcantara, um, both guys who were going to be in the minor leagues for most, if not all of this season. Uh, and so they literally needed like another infielder to just kind of help get through the year. Um, and so I imagine Cosmos, you know, almost a lock this point to make the roster an opening day. Um, if you know, someone else doesn't emerge during spring training or if they don't Mm -hmm. sign someone else, I think they could certainly use someone else too. Uh, whether it's a veteran or, you know, someone a little bit younger with some big league experience. Um, who's the other Alcantara that I suggested? I think he's still out there. Um, you know someone like that would be would be nice to grab too
0: yeah i was kind of thinking like as far as like actually spending a little bit of money and trying to get a free agent i mean there is eduardo nunez um it's just so hard to read the free agent market right now that i'm not really sure you're going to be able to get him. i mean you would assume you can get him for you know five six million for one year the way things are going right now but i just i just don't know if that's particularly worth it um The odds of 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 a guy like that being tradable at the deadline for anything worthwhile probably is are pretty slim. You might get as much for Jose Iglesias or something if you're real real lucky, but it's not going to be much. My vote Um, is still for Darwin Barney. Yeah, yeah, Darwin Barney—that'd be fine with me. I could, I could live with it. I'm, uh, I, you know, my all my expectations are shattered and low now. So well, is he'd Mo- be
2: so cheap. I think he'd be like a two million pickup for a year. I think. For, speaking for of what-
1: random former Blue Jays infielders, is Muniori Kawasaki still available? Oh, I, don't oh, I would know. love. Give me him. Give me someone that's just going to be fun to interview. Speaking oh, of speaking the so Jays
2: great. with the grandy pickup. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting signing.
1: For five million, I'm kind of disappointed the Tigers didn't grab him.
2: Right? I mean, we have there's the Tigers have too much outfield as it is. I think at this point, but yeah. ugh, he would have been just fun for the year.
1: I and think that's like actually, the one guy they could have picked up to like actually sell tickets. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. like aside yeah. from maybe bringing Verlander back, which wasn't going to happen, like picking up Granderson. I mean, you probably would have offset a little bit of that salary with the uptick in in. You know, tickets. That's like one guy you can really market to the fan base. I think there was like some tweet tonight of someone saying, like, they're not marketing any players with the season ticket sales. They're basically just, I think their biggest promo was Bark (laughs) at the Park night, which, you know, I get. But at the same time, you know, they don't really have anyone on this roster to market. You know, you could market uh, Glacius and Castellanos and parade them in front of the fans, but they might be gone in four months, if not sooner. Um, Cabrera is, you know, he's probably going to be around, but at this point, everyone's still kind of wondering how his back's going to hold up, how his legs are going to hold up. And so how much longer can you really market him as this face of the franchise?
0: Yeah. And it's kind of telling that, um, you know, I mean, I assume that these, you know, all these promotions are kind of set on, you know, months ago, even from now, um, that they didn't put Fulmer on there. Um, you know, you'd think like Michael Fulmer is kind of the one, the one young, awesome, talented player that you could see you know really breaking out into a star potentially and um they didn't put him on there either and you have to wonder if like did they think they were going to trade him were they were they that far along that they thought they could um i don't really know but i you know it it, curtis grandison would have been fun and you know i mean curtis grandison's not you know a star obviously anymore but you know he still put up i think 2.1 war last year um yeah i mean you know so he's still hitting hitting for some power um it would have been kind of fun but like you guys said i mean there's there's like five fourth outfielders on the squad you know when you look um you have like gerber and stewart both kind of waiting at toledo and you don't really want to back those guys off if if either one of them kind of has a nice start to the year you want to be able to bring them up um but yeah finding finding some kind of an infielder and maybe you know maybe another reliever um to kind of help you get you through like someone you know possibly an innings eating type you know middle relief candidate somebody like that still seems like a possibility but but yeah it's gonna be slim pickings um since we're so since we're on the Tigers, um, Craig Lawler at um, Craig Lawler number one on Twitter was asking. Um, he basically was asking whether or not there, there's a benefit to trading Nick Castellanos now versus at the deadline. Like assuming Nick kind of is what we think he is already. I mean, is there is there any anything gained by by keeping him? What do we think um, Nick Castellanos could bring right now? I mean, I'm kind of thinking like you know not much more than. Than what Ian Kinsler brought, if if at all, you might find a team to kind of bank on Nick, you know, hitting more home runs in a different ballpark. But it, it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of meat on the bone there as far as a trade now or at the deadline.
1: I think you might get maybe like a third player for Castellanos. I could see teams giving up, you know, a couple lower level prospects and maybe someone with, you know, not a, a lower ceiling but closer to MLB ready for someone like Castianos. Um, I think that. Whether they trade him now or at the deadline, it's probably in their best interest to trade him this year. Um, just because you have more service time available for the team that's picking him up. Um, If someone goes out and trades for him now, they're getting a young, cost-controlled bat for two years. Uh, Obviously, his glove is a huge concern, and whether his bat is really going to break out is still kind of up in the air. You know, the stat cast numbers look good, but they've looked good for the last couple years now, and he's still, you know, kind of scuffling along. He had a 120 OPS OPS plus in uh, 2016, but it backed off to 110 last year, even with all the home runs and RBIs that he had. Um, and so you're still kind of banking on that, on that progression a little bit. Now, sure, he may come out and, you know, really hit the cover off the ball in the first four months and up his trade value some, um, but then again, the team that's trading for him is getting him for four less months than what they would be right now. Um, I think that that's kind of the best-case scenario for them is that he does come out and really hit well in the first half, maybe even kind of, you know, Sneaks his way into the all star game uh, or close to that bubble somehow. Um, and I think that's probably the highest trade value you're going to get for him. But again, that's, you know, a gamble. If he comes out and hits like a league average, you know, player for the first four months of the year, then you're not, per- you're probably not going to get much for him. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I'd say the only benefit he has going for him over Kinsler is the time of contract that a team would get picking him up. Kinsler's a one year, um, like, I think that you may get slightly more for Castellanos, but not much.
0: Yeah. I mean, he is 25. You know, I, I, I could see some of the the really smart teams out there looking at those StatCast numbers and whatever much deeper numbers they have and, and coming to the conclusion that, yeah, this is a guy who maybe could break out a little bit more. Um, you know, I could see, you know, we don't know where Nick is going to hit this year, but if he's hitting... Say fourth, Um, you know, in this lineup, he may actually draw some more walks than he did last year. Just, just on the basis of being like one of the only two guys in the lineup that you even have the slightest concern about pitching to. Really, Um, you know, Candelario, you probably don't want to pitch to him with runners on base, ideally. But he's not going to, he's not going to crush you. Um, So, I mean, maybe there's a little meat on the bone, but it's also possible that Nick comes out and is just ghastly in right field, and then everyone's looking at him like, nope, this is just a bat. There's like, there's nowhere we can play this guy. Um, you know, you you do have the advantage that you don't have the no trade clauses that Kinsler had, so you can kind of go where you want, but yeah, you know, it it could quickly come down to only a few AL teams that would even, even be able to fit him in their roster anywhere and make use of him. So I'm not real sure there's any, any, I just don't, I don't really think that there's enough, you're going to get enough for him right now to even bother. So I'm, I'm kind of on the side of maybe waiting, but I don't, I don't really think it's going to come out to be much difference
1: either way. Yeah, I mean, I think the best case scenario for the Tigers with Castellanos right now would be if JD Martinez signed somewhere besides Boston. Um, you could potentially mm-hmm. see the Red Sox going hard after Castellanos. Obviously, their GM Dave Dombrowski is the one that drafted Castellanos in the first place, um, so they could, you know, plug him into whatever role they're planning for Martinez. Like, where the heck are they even going to play him if they sign him? Like, they yeah, have an I outfield have, already. Yeah, and they These have are, Mookie Betts is a right d- fielder,
0: right? Up and they've got Hanley Ramirez and like
1: is, he just gonna, is he just going to DH or what? Yeah, no, I mean, they have Moreland and Ramirez already. So it's really, yeah. I I'm kind of trying to piece together exactly what Boston is thinking here with him. Um, and so maybe they'd go after Castellanos, maybe they wouldn't. Uh, Castellanos, for all his defensive vaults, does offer a little bit more positional versatility than Martinez does because he... Can stand at third base with a glove in his hand, um, you know. Depending on how how much they're hoping for out of him, um, and uh, who was their third baseman last year, anyways. Um, uh, well, they got uh, Devers. They brought Devers oh, up. Oh yeah, yeah. He oh, did, yeah. He did well. So
2: the big thing ahead of the deadline was that they were they were thinking of picking up Todd Frazier, and uh-huh. the Yankees just went in and nabbed that away from them.
0: Yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm not so, I'm never sure why
1: anyone wants Todd Frazier so badly, but he always seems to well, the Yankees seems to land wanted, on his feet. The Yankees didn't want Frazier. They wanted the relievers more than anything. Yeah. I honestly they, got a, got a, they got Robinson I, and Kaley in the same deal. Yeah, I
2: honestly yeah. think I honestly they try. took
1: Frazier just so Boston couldn't get him.
2: Because it was pretty clear up to the trade deadline that Boston really wanted third base help, and Frazier was a good fit for them. And I, I honestly think the Yankees took Frazier in that package just to be like, Lol.
0: Yeah, and they probably could use a little... I mean, I don't want to disparage Todd Frazier too much. Like, he's a solid defender and everything, and he'll hit you some home runs, but he's kind of like the Curtis Granderson of third base at this point, where Curtis is now. You know, it's just low average. Hit you some home runs and and, and doesn't really do a lot for you. I I was thinking maybe the Cardinals. um, You know, I keep... I can't remember who it was on MLB radio, but they were kind of talking about the Cardinals not wanting to play Jed Jerko as as like their full-time third baseman. Uh-huh. And and there's some concerns about like Colton Wong at second base and Paul DeJong, you know, had a great rookie year. But we've kind of seen that from a Ledmes Diaz the, the year before where they bring somebody up and until the league kind of figures him out, and he looks good. Um, and then it kind of falls apart. And, and having Castellanos over there, they could that would kind of free them up to use Jerko wherever they want. If someone's in a slump, um, you can put them out in right field. Um, it's just, it just again kind of comes back to that. If, you know, if you don't really have a place to play him, you're, you're stashing this guy on the bench as like a you know, a part-time player, part-time pinch hitter, and um, you're just not gonna, yeah, you're just not gonna get a whole lot out of that. I could see maybe the Rangers doing something like that, possibly, but I don't really understand what's going on with the Rangers. I, they seem to think they can win somehow, and I see no path for that. <laughs> so even if they yeah, send you, you Darvish, sure. I'm, yeah, I don't, I don't really buy it. You know, Oakland looks better, Seattle's still good, the Angels are way better, and you, you're just not gonna mess with the Astros after uh, after adding Garrett Cole in there. That is a nasty team.
2: There, there are a lot of teams this offseason that are giving me big question marks as to what their plan is or lack thereof. That's-
1: well, I mean, part of it is because no one's doing anything. I mean, you've had a few teams make some big moves. Um, but other than that, like, you know, you're looking at like two thirds of the teams in baseball that have barely done anything. I mean, I think that Jeff Passen wrote today that, what, like close to a third of teams haven't even signed a free agent this offseason? Yeah.
0: yeah,
2: yeah. I heard a there were two
1: there were two big somewhere deals,
0: somewhere. There two were, big deals this week, and they were both trades. So yeah, sorry, Ashley, go for no, it. I was going to oh. say I heard,
2: I heard somewhere, and this maybe the number will still be close though, because there haven't been a lot of free agent signings since. but something like only eighteen percent of free agents had signed as of the start of January. Like it's ridiculous. Yeah, and it's then, bizarre world. Just ahead of the arbitration deadline, you had that kind of um, the sports agent scandal. Where a guy who had like you know jake odorizzi from the rays and a couple other big name players was suddenly just not there repping them and I, i'm not going to get into that story it was ridiculous um and insane but uh yeah like things are happening everywhere and then nobody's getting traded <laughs> so.
0: yeah there's all kinds of news but there's no no free agents on the move yeah um, and, I mean, and kind of to just lead right into that, um, Jeff Passan over at Yahoo Sports wrote a pretty good article that we we haven't really all had like time to fully digest this, but basically just talking about you know what's going on with the free agent market. You know, we've kind of heard like a litany of of reasons for why nothing has moved. You know, first it was the Stanton and Otani business, and then you know teams are just waiting for the holidays, and then teams are waiting for arbitration hearings, and nothing. You know, and in the meantime, there are big moves being made, but every one of them has been a trade. Um, is this you know, are we gonna see this kind of this break at some point, do you guys think? Um, sometime in the next few weeks and, and players start signing and just kind of taking what they can get? or are we kind of looking at like sort of like the ugliest scenario here where we get to late February and you have half the free agents in the game like working out together at a camp and scheming about what's wrong with the game and, and you know and talking about the next collective bargaining agreement because um, it, it really starting to feel like things are coming to a head. I, I had expected things to break by ne- by at least now. And um, we don't really feel we don't seem that close. I don't even hear that many rumors um, of teams being linked to each other. I mean, Rob, what do you? Uh, how are you? How are you processing the bizarrely slow free agent market so far? I,
1: I still think we're going to get like the free agent fire hose at some point. Um, just have like a flurry of signings. Scott Boris is doing his thing with some of the top guys, but I can't see. Teams like, like I just I see someone folding with uh, the whole JD Martinez thing at some point, uh, and kind of caving and giving him the money he deserves. Um, Eric Hosmer has already been rumored to kind of have a gaudy contract offer on the books, uh, and uh, I think that that's probably going to happen at some point, whether it's uh, the Royals. Folding, or maybe the Padres giving him a big offer. Um, I think that you know some of these top guys are going to get money. The mid-tier guys, you know, maybe I could see a few of them going a little, uh, you know, more unsigned going into the season. Um, I think that Granderson got a relatively cheap contract at five million, and so we may see some other guys take, you know, a little bit less money like that. But then you can look at a guy like Jay Bruce, who's still got, you know, the kind of money that a lot of statist- statistical models really thought he would. Uh, at, I think he was three years, thirty-nine million with the Mets, um, which like. Are the Mets only signing corner outfielders now? They have like eight corner outfielders on the roster.
0: Yeah, meanwhile their infield is terrible. So, <laughs> I mean, there haven't been a lot of good infield free agents. But I kind of kind of peg them to be more like a team that would try to pick up like a Eduardo Nunez, like somebody versatile who you know maybe would get hot in various stretches and, and give you some help. But um so I don't know. There's no accounting for the Mets. I don't. Know. I'm not sure. At some but point, I everyone
2: s- on that team will be on the disabled list, so they got to have backups.
1: That's fair. I still think that at some point we're going to get kind of a flurry of signings. I think that by the end of the offseason, salaries may be a little bit depressed, but we're going to look back and just kind of say like, oh, hey, those last couple weeks were insane, weren't they? I yeah. think a,
2: a big thing, too, will be when we finally get one of those big three free agent pitchers signed somewhere. Like when you get a Darvish or a, a Cobb or an Arietta signed Somewhere. I think that's going to start moving things along because teams will stop being like, oh, maybe we could have gotten him. And they'll just take what they can get.
0: Yeah. And that's kind of like the pitching. You know, at some point, the pitching is going, get, is going to get signed. Like, no one's just going to leave Jake Arrieta and Yu Darvish and Alex Cobb and these and Lance Lynn um, on the table. I do wonder. I still kind of wonder, though. I, I could see like guys like Hosmer, Mustakis, and JD either having to settle for a lot less than than they thought they were going to get, or they're going to have to, you know, kind of wait it out and um, and see if you know if anybody changes their posture in February. Because what what I see happening right now is teams. Like almost pivoting away from the free agent market and and looking at how can I fill this with a trade that doesn't cost me you know that much in prospects like we've seen the Astros and um, and now the you know the Giants not really give up you know much much of note to to pick from the the Pirates and take you know Garrett Cole to the Astros and Andrew McCutcheon to San Francisco and I I'm kind of that's that's what's you know I, I was pretty much on the same the same page that I expected this all to break at some point but you know, I I keep seeing teams kind of leaning that way more. Like, you know, there are teams out here who are rebuilding, who have some talent. Um, Nick Castellanos, you know, I I wouldn't have thought was going to be traded, but we finally got a little bit of a rumor the other day that at least they're, they're shopping him and maybe hearing some offers on him. Um, and, and that kind of, to me speaks to teams still trying to find a way to around this. Like teams just do not want to sign anybody for more than three or four years if they can help it. And, um, I don't know. I won't be surprised if this is still kind of an issue. Like, you know, the dam will break to some degree, but I won't be surprised if we're still talking about this, you know, into spring training, um, which is going to be weird. Part of me wonders
2: if some of it too is that teams don't want to commit to three or four or in some cases insane five to seven year contracts with these guys when you have such a strong class coming up next year. And And I think there may be a little bit of foresight leading to hesitancy because of that. Like you've got Bryce Harper coming out next year. I think there's a couple other really huge names hitting free agency at the end, like in the 2019 season. And so I think that might be leading teams to be gun shy to committing to longer term contracts, because why do you want to like give up 150 mil for one guy when you could maybe hold on to that and be in on some of those big names next year?
1: I think part of it part of it too seems like that the big names on the market this year aren't offering the same kind of big time production that you would expect out of normal uh, players. Um you know, last year, the, the market was kind of even like, not necessarily slower, but thinner than uh, what we have this year, but teams kind of knew that all going in, and so there weren't really any top free agents. This year, you have some top free agents like J.D. Martinez and Eric Osmer, but if you look at the numbers, these guys have some pretty serious flaws in certain ways. Um, Osmer, I think, a little bit more than Martinez, because you're still kind of paying for potential more so than actual production uh, for him. Um and so you have these guys that are being billed as top guys and they're asking for 150 or 200 million and in past years those guys wouldn't be the top free agents on the market and so they wouldn't be expecting those kind of contracts and i think that's kind of where the whole the the that's i think where everything's kind of bogging down so much
0: yeah and it probably doesn't help that you know I mean, to speak to those flaws like Jake Arietta you know, his velocity has never been that good. Um, he, you know, he's kind of seen his production fall two years in a row. And then, you know, you Darvish came back and looked pretty good after Tommy John surgery. But, of course, then just, you know, was god-awful, like almost unusable in the postseason. And that was on display for, for everybody to see. So, yeah, that definitely didn't hurt or didn't help his market at all. And, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point, too. There's there's definitely some flaws out there um, with some of these guys. They aren't the, the high-end, you know, super, super... Top tier caliber guys, but you know you also look at those those guys like Bryce Harper, Manny Machado. Um, most of the teams that you know haven't done anything. We all know you know the the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers. They don't want to sign any free agents right now because they're also you know fighting the luxury tax. But those are the teams who are going to be in play for those big guys. And I'm not sure that a lot of the other teams who are kind of more mid tier and could spend some money right now are really going to be players for you know Bryce Harper in a three hundred million dollar contract anyway. So. Yeah, I mean that could that could play into it as well. I just I think some of these teams have their you know if they're really worried that you know oh we're going to you know spend our money this year and then all these guys are going to be out there next year they're kind of kidding themselves because they're probably most of them aren't going to be players for those those type of you know talents anyway. But
1: yeah, it's I possible. think the I think one of the big things um, is. Just kind of the the balance between teams right now, and this is something that Dave Cameron wrote about, I think, in like his last like actual piece at Fangraphs, um, saying like you know our super teams kind of part of the reason that this offseason has been so slow. I mean, if you look at the American League, there are three, well, you know, four very clear contenders for division titles. You have the Indians in the Central, the Astros in the West, and then the Red Sox and Yankees fighting it out in the East, and then maybe you have kind of a fifth. Team in the Angels that is probably going to be looking at that second wild card spot, and then after that, I think there's a pretty big drop off, and so I think teams are a little bit reluctant to spend. to Say like, okay, we have you know little to no shot at the division title. Um, you know, are we even going to be able to catch up to the wild card? And you know, in the last couple of years, I think that's been the case. You've seen teams go out and spend, whether it's the Tigers a couple of years ago or teams like the Blue Jays, maybe even the Orioles picking up a couple guys um, late in the in the free agent market um, to try to get to that point um, but this year I think the gap is just growing especially with the Yankees acquiring Stanton the Ashers acquiring Cole. um you know the rich are getting richer and I think that the growing gap is part of the reason for it too
0: yeah I mean I can think of a few you know like the Mariners you know probably think they've got a shot at a wild card um, maybe the blue Jays that you know there's, there's some other teams obviously the twins um, you know kind of would like to believe that they're at the beginning of a run. But yeah, you look at, especially um the Astros and the Yankees right now, and they just, they just look like juggernauts. And it's, it's hard to see some of those other teams even competing with, with the Indians. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really see, I, you know, the Angels are an interesting case because they've done a lot of smart things this off season, but there's still so much risk in that rotation. I, I don't know how, how high I rate them on the, okay, this team's going to get a wild card, you know, kind of docket either.
1: I mean, it really depends on guys staying healthy. Um, It depends on Otani being, you know, the guy that they are hoping he's going to be. You know, if he's not your number one or number two in that rotation, you have Garrett Richards and who else on that staff.
0: Yeah, Matt Shoemaker and Andrew Haney, who you don't know anything, what you're going to get from. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kinda of treacherous out there as as far as uh yeah, teams especially in the American League taking a look and thinking they're gonna do something. Um, you know, the National League's a little different. Um, you know, the Dodgers seem to just to stand out kind of above everybody. But I don't know, the NL Central kinda has like three teams who at least believe in themselves as contenders. Um it seems like there's a little bit more parity there. Um except you know, not in the National League East so much, but but everywhere else. So yeah, that may be affecting it as well as just that yeah, that, just that general look at you know, what your chances are of actually trying to win a World Series and, and looking at the juggernauts ahead of you and thinking like,
1: nope, I'm, I'm not going to be interested. I'm, I'm just going to sit tight. I hope the Anna wildcard race is going to be interesting next year because you have the Brewers and the Cardinals um, you know perhaps even the Cubs if they fall back a little bit in the uh, in the central fighting it out for one or two spots uh, the Diamondbacks the um, Rockies maybe even the Giants if they think that they're going to contend who knows how good the Padres are going to be as these uh, their prospects kind of come up towards the big leagues too um, those could be some exciting races even if the division titles are all but locked up pretty early
0: yeah yeah the national league looks looks to me like the more interesting kind of road to the playoffs next year um it's it's just really hard to see i could see the you know the yankees maybe maybe falling a little bit just because of a lack of starting pitching but that bullpen is just so deep like you know there's you could you could put buck farmer on that you know as their fifth starter and probably be all right <laughs> you probably make that work still
1: i mean i don't know if i'd go that far
0: yeah maybe not maybe not but you know you put buck out
1: there for three innings you know and then bam
0: you you just you know you just pour one super reliever after another out there
1: i am interested to see if they could do something like that with him this year um you know turn him and maybe a couple of these other field starter types into like two inning guys and see what they could do if they just kind of aired out basically like what the astros did in the playoffs with charlie morton and some of the other guys that they kind of had to piecemeal their bullpen um you know if someone like Farmer or Verhagen these guys have been brought up through the minors throwing 100 plus innings as starters could they kind of handle that workload you know the Anthony Swarzak kind of role, role where teams just say okay go for two or three innings and see how, it, how you do um, you know not every reliever is going to be able to fit in that mold um, but if you have you know one or two guys I think on your staff that can handle that it'd it just be kind of interesting to see how, how teams start to manage this a little bit more uh, you know through the regular season in the future
2: that would be an interesting thing to see, actually.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, there was a. Um, I always kind of thought like Chris Archer the last couple of years. Like Chris Archer would make it really. This is a whole different thing, really. But to take Chris Archer, put him on a team like the Astros, and just tell him to just dominate for four or five innings every four days, and and just you know, and just keep feeding him through your roster to see to see how that would work because he seems to. Well, you know, that's Archer like lives. Kind of yeah, if,
2: anywhere after the fifth inning, he gets real questionable. But. Those first four, he's so strong.
0: Yep, I mean, you'll get to the you know the fifth inning, and he's got ten strikeouts, and you know nobody's reached base, and then he just kind of falls apart. And yeah, it, it'll be interesting to see if the Tigers actually do do anything interesting like that, because you know the opportunity is right here to, to convert some starters to to relief. Um, you know, the guys you mentioned, um, you go a little bit further into the minor leagues, and you know, Sandy Baez has kind of been hanging around the past two years as a Rule Five protected guy who. You know, has like this monster fastball and a really good splitter, but hasn't really taken strides as far as like looking like a starter, like a guy who can who can consistently give you six. So, yeah, I'll be interested to see if yeah if the Tigers make any moves like that and try to convert somebody this year. Worked out with Shane Green just fine,
1: and then he might be a trade chip.
0: Yep, he's probably going to go. Yeah, yeah. There's another guy who it's like, is it you know is it better to trade Shane Green right now, or is it better to risk? You know the arm and and let him you know hopefully rack up at least a few
1: saves I don't know how many save opportunities we're gonna have but no with him you I think you have to wait till the deadline I mean the premium on levers so. has been so high at the deadline the last few years and if he comes out and he has a really good first half does what Justin Wilson did last year or maybe even a little bit more given how he looked down the stretch last year you could really squeeze a lot out of a team uh, for a guy like Green and yeah, so I, I mean, think that you like know, with desperation a full season is his highest. Yeah, and with a full season under his belt of looking like this truly dominant closer, dominant reliever. I think the teams would pay through the nose for that.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what you're seeing, you know, more and more is that you know, teams just are are kind of waiting. And it it makes perfect sense that your value goes through the roof. You know, once you've relievers are so volatile that when you see a guy have like a strong first half, it's like, okay, you know, we've at least seen that much this year. You know, he's suddenly worth a lot more. And you know, for all the deals that Alavila made the past year that were either kind of just okay or or somewhat disappointing, um, you know, he just absolutely just robbed the Cubs. Um, you know that that was a really good deal for us, and you know that he does need some props for that one. That was uh, that's yeah, looking like yeah. a pretty good deal.
1: I mean, Isaac Paredes is,
0: is, is shooting up prospect list. You know, as that, we speak,
1: that deal at the time we probably should have said that that deal made the Tigers better immediately. let alone five, six years into the future when Kendall and hopefully Paredes are both up in the major leagues. Um, You know, they got their starting third baseman for a reliever that was going to do absolutely nothing for them down the stretch and who actually fell apart down the stretch.
0: And many of us believed would fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. Because he just he just doesn't seem to be good for a whole season. Like he just doesn't seem to be able to kind of keep it together. But we'll see. Maybe he'll turn it around for them this year. Um, You know, whenever we send somebody somewhere, I always kind of. You know, at least half-heartedly, I'm rooting for them. Um, and that, that was an ugly go going over. You know, Ashley would know better than, than either of us because she works at Bleed Covey Blue a little bit, too. But people could not have been real happy with the Justin Wilson trade in the uh, in the second half there. He was definitely not the highlight of that trade for Cubs fans. They did get Alex Avila's beard. I
1: mean, you know, what else do you want, really? Are they going to Are they gonna resign him or what? Avila? Yeah, what was that whole thing with like their Instagram or whatever the other day? Did you guys see that? They had posted something about Avila in particular. And I mean, it was just kind of maybe like a throwback Thursday picture or something like that, but it seemed a little cryptic in in a way that they were maybe going to bring him back.
2: He'd be a smart sign for them. Honestly, I think I, I think he'd be a great pickup. Like he's, he's already expressed interest in wanting to play for a team that's going to contend. He seemed to fit in fine as a backup catcher there. And I honestly think why change if you've already found a place that you can work with and fits the mold for what you're hoping for? I'm not sure that he's going to get a better, like a better option elsewhere.
0: Yeah. And he, I mean, he knows the staff there. Um, they need a backup catcher. I mean, it really seems perfect because if they don't take him, I want, I want him back. <laughs> I'm like, I'm all all about getting Alex Vila back and hoping he has another good first half and then we'll just you know, pair him, Trade him, again, and, him again. Yeah. Haul in some more <laughs> prospects. Just keep using him as reusable bait. Um, I think I'm just going to skip the hall of fame ballot at the moment. I'm just not, I'm not stoked. I haven't, I haven't I, looked
1: into I, it enough. After Trammell got in, I just can't get worked up about it anymore. You know, I, didn't really even think that that was going to happen. And so now that we've gotten at least half of the guys that deserve to be in into the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, I'm kind of at peace with it for a little while. I'll get angry about it in a year or two, but for now, I'm good. good.
2: Yeah, wait two years until the the next – like legend's ballot goes up and he doesn't get in again, then we can get mad a second time.
0: Yeah. Got to wait for the modern era, era mm-hmm. ballot. Um, we we will on the site kind of, kind of have our hall of fame ballot picks up here pretty shortly though, in the next day or two though. Um, and so, yeah, after we get out of here, we'll, uh, we'll all go take a little bit further look tomorrow and let's, let's see what we think as far as who's getting in. Um, I'm a bonds and Clemens voter. So those, I know those guys will be up there. I'm going to keep voting for them until they finally make it. So, Try to get him in there. Um, I've got before we go, I've got two questions um, from Twitter left to to, um, to get to. Um, Taylor Smith at T Smith wants to know what prospect not on the opening day roster will make the biggest impact this, this offseason. Um, and I'll I'll throw that one to Ashley first. We'll let you take a crack biggest. at that.
2: Impact in the off season. I don't know if I understand. Or the like
0: best. during the regular season, during the se- Yeah, during the season. Like someone who won't make the team out of out of you know at opening day, but will show up and have some kind of an impact.
1: Oh God.
2: Um, I don't because I, it's so hard to know who's going to break out in AAA or even in AA and get a shot later in the season. Right? Like I.
0: And this isn't really the good year for the for this question. Like next year, we're we're a lot more likely to see people we're actually really stoked about start to kind of feed into the into the majors. But yeah, you know, you've got. I like mean, I'd be Gerber, interested Stewart. if, if Stewart
2: got... made it up. Um, Preddis isn't on the forty man yet, is he? He was double
0: A this year. No, he's still A no, ball. No. He's really young. Yeah, yeah. No, he, he won't be up
2: this year. I, I'm excited for him, but I I don't see him. But I, I'd say Stewart is probably if 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 we have need for a ninth or tenth outfielder like how many outfielders (laughs) do we have this year um but no because of the strength of his bat i've been really interested in him for the last two seasons so yeah i think he'd he'd probably be my pick
0: it's possible you know like vic you know obviously we don't know what we're going to get out of victor too so yeah they might be able to find it bats for for stewart if he's going really good at triple a um in the in the dh role possibly um yeah, it's just tough to figure out how we're gonna how we're gonna mix him into the roster when we have Mr. Yeah, Reyes and all these other guys.
2: He's never been really strong, but his his bats where he's really exciting. God himself, awful,
0: so. god awful is how we're it, so it used describes. to. That,
2: <laughs> we know so much about you know really high potential bats with terrible defense.
0: Yeah, yeah, fits the tiger profile. Mm-hmm. All, right, all right, Rob, you got anybody for me on that? On that I score? think
1: Dewell Lugo strikes me as the kind of guy who is going to come up at some point in the year. Get a bunch of fastballs and absolutely destroy those. And yeah. for like the first couple months, just, you know, hit really well. And then once teams figure out that like they can just throw them a bunch of curveballs, he will start to struggle. Um, but for those first, you know, six weeks to two months, I think that's going to be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, that's just kind of my pick. The
1: the safe pick, I think, is Gerber just because he seems the most MLB ready. But, you know, with the the concerns about his swing and how long it is, um, he may struggle a little bit. Whereas Lugo seems like one to kind of feast on some of those early fastballs and then really struggle once uh, he has to adjust.
0: Yeah, kind of a free swinger with with some power. Who, yeah, once they realize he's, they don't have to throw him a strike. May may run into a wall, but you know that might be the. I don't know if it's the point of them not picking up any more middle relievers, but or middle infielders. But you know he was in Double A. He did pretty well. Um, I could I could see him being a guy who comes up sometime, um, mid, maybe mid year.
1: Yeah, he's already in the forty man roster, so I certainly think he's going to be up at some point. Um, you know, injuries happen and stuff like that throughout the year. Uh, if Iglesias gets traded, uh, that, you know, just increases the likelihood that he comes up. You know, if Iggy gets traded, you probably see Machado slide over to, to short. And then oh, Lugo ends up playing a lot of more time at second base, where he's kind of been playing, I think, a little bit in the minors. So, um, so yeah, I, I definitely think we're going to see him at some point And, you know, it's kind of anyone's guess as to who comes up and hits well to start with.
0: Yeah, and a bunch you know a bunch of people I've talked to have said that you know the transition to second base went better than people thought. Like he actually looked pretty comfortable there right from the jump. So yeah, yeah, he, he definitely would be the guy to get called up to, to play some second base. I think for myself, I'm I, I'm kind of leaning. I kind of think we're, we might see a guy like Sandy Baez come up, but I'm going to pick um, Spencer Turnbull. Because I, I kind of feel like the Tigers aren't going to be super patient with him at this point. Um, he's kind of battled some injuries. Um, he's already, I think, 25, so he's he's sort of seasoned for a, for a prospect at this point to, to still be kind of kind of toiling away at Double A. And it, with him, it's just kind of a matter of health. And I could see if he's having some nagging little issues, um, and the Tigers just kind of feel like it's time to see what he's got. Um, I could see him coming up and, and possibly pitching some relief in the same kind of role that like Ver, Verhagen. Or yeah, Sawpold has been used in. So I I won't be surprised to see Spencer Turnbull. Um, I would like to see the Tigers just kind of accept probably that Sandy Baez isn't going to be a starter and convert him and let him come up and just just blow people away with that monster fastball. And uh, hopefully he can he can spot it somewhere. So yeah, we'll see we'll see. That you know there's there's probably going to be a lot of minor leaguers up, but like uh, you know the good prospects. Who, am I, who asked this question again? Was it Taylor? <laughs> Taylor, yeah, the good prospects. You know, it's still going to be 2019 before you start even kind of sniffing guys like Franklin Perez or Burroughs or um, someone like that, maybe Cameron, somebody like that making it up um and taylor also wants to know who is our favorite to win the american league so i'll go it's a little early for this i'd like to see rosters actually <laughs> start to get sorted out but what the hell we'll take a shot at it real quick just as a preliminary uh preliminary run actually who do you think is going to win the american league this year like the whole american league or the division the whole the whole thing and go to the world series the astros
2: that that their starting lineup is just unbeatable. I'm not going to pick somebody else.
1: I mean, the Indians won the most games in the American League last year, and they have probably the easiest pass back to the playoffs. So, I'm saying the Indians. Ooh, that's but, a good that's a good point. I mean, yeah, they're, you, you they're basically have off. like one of three or four teams to pick here, so it's not yeah. that. Yeah, not that
0: hard. yeah. And for me, I'm still I'm still going Astros. I'm. I, I mean, I, from what I saw from Verlander, Verlander is going to have another really big year this year. And yeah, you add Garrett Cole in there. Some of these guys getting a little bit, um, getting a little bit more seasoning. You know, they've got, the Astros have like a little bit of weakness, like with, um, oh, what's his face, Reddick. And, you know, I don't, you know, but Reddick is good enough defensively that I, I, and there's so much else offense on that team. I just don't think they need him. They can always just bring up Kyle Tucker if, if Redick is struggling. Just, just a embarrassment of riches over there. Um, all right. And then I'm going to go, oh, this is going to be, this is going to be fun. Steve Florian at Steve flow 24 wants to know now that the rebuild is underway and I'm paraphrasing are the Tigers going to utilize the analytics department more or is the process going to stay the same? And is the team going to kind of, kind of go about things in, in a similar fashion? Rob, I do you think I, the tigers have made progress on this front
1: maybe a little bit. I mean, from the sound of it, like the the moment Avila took over, it sounds like they put TrackMan systems in all of the minor league ballparks that they have. And so they're starting to use some of that data. Um, You know, you'll probably see it most in the draft. Uh, you're probably seeing it a little bit in some of these minor league free agent signings that they're making um, like Nico Goodrum. He's the name that kind of always pops into my head when I think of some of the guys that they've picked up because it sounds like he's, you know, got a little bit of offensive potential um, hasn't necessarily had that pan out yet. Um, but we'll see what happens. You know, Johnny Barbato is another one that you kind of looked at some of the numbers in terms of his spin rate and things like that um, to see what he can do. But it sounds like command is his biggest issue more than anything. So we'll see. Uh, that's really kind of all you can say with us at this point I think that we're we're, you know I don't even necessarily want to say we're seeing a little bit of progress with it but I imagine that some of that is going along the way Uh, I think that the the draft is going to be kind of a you know interesting one to watch because you have all of this new data that they have but at the same time you have a lot of the same people making the same decisions as before Um, and so who knows
0: Yeah, it's really hard to tell. I mean, you know, the the Ron Gardenhire signing, you know, immediately makes me feel like the Tigers are, you know, they know they've got to catch up. I mean, I believe that the Tigers know that they've got to catch up, but it's really hard to imagine the Tigers getting to a point where they're actually one of the more progressive teams. Um, And I don't really think, you know, under this, under this regime that you probably should even concern yourself, you know, as a fan all that much with that. Um, You know, if, if they hit, you know, in the draft with their number one picks, and probably another high pick next year, do okay in the few guys they've got left to deal. The Tigers are going to be in very good position to rebuild at that point, and and at that point, maybe we can start looking when you're when you're in the actual acquisition phase of like trying to fill in your roster you know at that point maybe it's a little bit easier to tell you know that Johnny Barbato signing like made made sense from a you know from a metrics point of view because he's got such a low spin sinker like it's a it's a sinker that is really kind of an outlier pitch but the problem with that is you can look at that and say oh well that's that's probably an analytic signing because they know his spin rate so low everybody knows you know teams have all that information like even the tigers have all the spin rate like all that stuff for the minor leagues college that all that just gets delivered by MLB at this point. And when a guy has such an outlier pitch, everybody knows about it, whether or not, you know, they know what his spin rate and velocity are, you know, which of course they do. You can just see it, you know, when, when there's a real outlier like that, everybody knows that that, oh, that guy's got a nasty sinker. He can't control it, but the sinker is nasty. Um, it's, it's the, it's finding those little edges, which we usually don't hear about till after the fact, um, or hear someone kind of talk about it, where, where analytics can really play a role and yeah, we're, we're just not in a position to really even see them doing doing anything that's going to stand out as like, oh, well, that was really, really brilliant, according to the analysts. So, you know, I'm rooting for Jay Sartori. I'm rooting for Sam Menzen. Um, I hope they have a seat at the big table um, with Littlefield, Chad, and Avila, and, you know, their input is being heard. Um, but it's just really hard, hard to say that right now, Steve. And, uh, you know, we're probably going to be watching for that over the next year for sure. All right. I think we're about good. We are probably going to, um, we'll be back every week now, um, all through the season. Um, as far as Bless You Boys goes, we've got a lot of spring training coverage that's about to ramp up. Um, we're going to be doing our prospect list. Um, there'll be prospect profiles. There'll be player profiles on every player. Um, we've got some special things in the works. There's there's going to be a lot going on. So stay tuned here. We hope to have a few extra, you know, some special guests coming up along the way, too. We don't know about Dan Dickerson. I, I would like to get Dan Dickerson on the show. Not sure if that'll happen. But for the time being, you can just follow us on Twitter. Um, I'm at Fiskadoro74. Rob is at BYBRob, and Ashley is at 90 feet from home. And until that, just keep up with us at BlessYourBoys.com, and we'll have some new content up on the site for you tomorrow. Thanks a lot, everybody. Thanks for uh, joining me here. Ashley, Rob, good to have you both here. Good to be back. Thank you. You're welcome. You guys have a good night, and we'll talk to you soon.